My great friend and uh, former Trump colleague, Russ Vogt. Russ was the OMB director. He's president now of the Center for Renewing America. Russ, uh, thanks for coming on. Appreciate it. Always my pleasure, Larry. And how is the brilliant and beautiful Mary Vogt? <laughs> she is doing wonderful. She is out trying to save this country as we speak, and uh, that is nothing new. <laughs> yeah, No, no, I know. It's uh, good. We need her. Um, so, Russ, uh, I want to save America and kill this bill, the so-called Build Back Smaller, with big taxes and high spending. Uh, for openers, I, I know you followed this. You were on the TV show last night talking about some of it. We have a little more time here. Um, what do you make of this, okay? You're looking at it. You're seeing who the players are. Joe Manchin's going to break my heart if he if he goes through with this because he was so good uh, to kill the five trillion dollar original bill, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, what do you make of this, Russ? Uh, mine as well, Larry. In the sense of uh, hoping that Joe Manchin stays strong. I mean, uh, there had always been this possibility because he had put out, you know, that even in the midst of these uh, inflation numbers going up, that he would accept a bill in the neighborhood of one and a half trillion dollars. Now that had been a a level that he set um, kind of as a negotiating premise unconnected to real world activities in the economy that has worsened. Um, And one of the great things about Joe Manchin thus far is that he, unlike most politicians, has allowed his bottom lines to be adjusted by a real world market. But we have uh, a problem in that right now, it does seem that they are making progress towards a deal in the neighborhood of a trillion dollars Um, That would be funded uh, with tax increases uh, on small businesses uh, in trying to, you know, quote those that are kind of limited liability corporations uh, that we know them as small businesses by raising their Medicare tax. When they raise the Medicare tax, that's just another form of taxation. That's not some kind of special tax that doesn't hurt the economy and it doesn't necessarily go to Medicare either. Uh, they are working on the, kind of the Medicare uh, price control portion of this that would be go for, much further than you and I were comfortable with in the Trump administration and actually get into the, the, the notion of negotiating prices in a way that would completely hurt our pharmaceutical industry. And then there's a lot of work that needs to be done, uh, and they're not close, but they are making uh, seeming progress, and there is a possibility that this could be a bill that's considered during the month of August or month of July before they, they recess for August. And so we've got to really be diligent in, in saving America and killing this new version of the bill. Uh, Russ, you know, go back uh, a few months when the, the, the so-called slimmed down ver- version was, I think, around $2 trillion. But when people looked at it, uh, including the Congressional Budget Office, CBO, they realized that it was a phony scoring because they had, uh, you know, one time or one year or one to two year spending plans that really, once they were in, would be would be permanent over 10 years. And so the CBO came out and says, no, it actually would be $5 trillion and it would not be paid for uh, God forbid any of that happened. But the point is, I, I, I don't have enough information, but um, I'm just worried 
that even a trillion dollars, because Manchin has said he could accept a trillion, but it'll, it it might be a phony trillion dollars. They got a lot of spe- They got these crazy right renewable uh, tax credits, uh, which drains revenues, as you well know. And you know all these. They got a lot of spending subsidies, as I said. They got Obamacare in there. They got Medicaid in there. Lord knows what they have. I'm, you know, this could be much bigger over ten years than they're letting on. I, I think you can take that to the bank. I mean, they, that's the, that's the part they haven't shown Joe Manchin, seemingly from the press reports and some of our internal conversations with the Senate. They they've shown him the, the part of of how they might raise revenues, and he seems to be interested in that. But they have not shown, and he is sensitive on the gimmicks. He has he has walked the, the deal on that notion alone. But you are entirely right. The earlier versions uh, would have artificial sunsets on the spending portion. And, of course, they never have artificial sunsets with regard to the revenue and the tax increases that cripple the economy. So I, I, I do believe that there is much to be done, and our ability to, to defeat this is strong. Um, Joe Manchin does seem to be someone that says, notwithstanding what I might have said in one context, I'm not going to be bullied into that when economic numbers continue to come out on inflation, on growth. And I think we're going to have more bad news on both of those. That has seemingly dictated his uh, his decisions. And, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be hopeful about this. You know, he's a member of the Democratic Party. It's very hard when your party is making something a priority not to talk to people and not to negotiate. But I, I think uh, we've got a real significant opportunity to kill this bill, uh, as we have done for the last year and a half. Yeah, by the by, uh, and I think you were part of this, we're resurrecting the America First Policy Institute uh, Save America Coalition. We've already started conference calls. We're already running radio ads in West Virginia. Uh, I think we'll do more. We'll probably go on TV to do it. And we got about 100 groups in that coalition, and it worked pretty well. Steve Moore really was the quarterback. Um, In some ways, I was the spokesperson. But we had a lot of strong people in that coalition from conservative groups that you know well. So we're working on that. You know, Russ, go back... uh, Tell me about this. They're going to raise taxes. By the way, they're going to raise taxes on major corporations. So they want a 15% minimum tax on a book value basis, you know, which means no deductions, you know, not an IRS tax basis, book value, which uh, some people have looked at and said that would effectively raise the top rate that the uh, Trump administration brought from 35 to 21, it would effectively raise it to 28 or 30 percent because they're going to take out the deductions and the credits. Then they're going to use that money plus the investment uh, tax on small business pass through. And somehow they're saying $200 billion will go to Medicare. Now, I don't, you know, you mentioned that uh, we talked a bit last night on the TV show. How are they going to do this? How do we know it's going to go to Medicare? It's going to go to general revenues. The hospital fund has always been done by payroll taxes, uh, which goes right in. How do you you designate? Do you earmark? How do you write that up? Yeah, this is is kind of something that if you're in the business world and you come into government, you think it's working as if you have different savings and checking accounts. But that's not the way it works in the federal government. The, the way these trust funds work in the government is that they're, they're notional. 
So money comes in through taxes, and they are and certain revenue generators are credited to a trust fund. But it's not like this trust fund exists in like a 401k and earns money and investment, and somehow it's hard to take money out of it. That's that's not the way it works. They they that money sits in the general revenue, and it is spent out as it comes in. And so to the extent that we are uh, not adjusting. Uh, the, the real cost of the Medicare program in a fundamental way that would preserve it, all you're really doing is creating more money there uh, to imp- improve your deficits while you spend out the money on, you know, woke and weaponized government elsewhere. So this notion that this is going to artificial, this is going to extend the trust fund, yeah, on a paper basis, but in a real sense, not really. Yep. Yep. And the reconciliation referee or whatever her name is, she might not even buy it. I mean, they're trying to sell, you know, to to save Medicare, which is a kind of, you know, apple pie and motherhood issue. Yeah, let's save Medicare. But I don't see, I don't, I mean, I think that's a fraud. I mean, I, I just think that's a, a phony patina for political reasons. I don't, they could spend, they could spend this tax money on any damn thing they want. They could get around to putting some of it into Medicare if there's an emergency in the next uh, four or five years, sure. But that, that money is, you know, fungible. It goes into right. general revenues. <laughs> it's fun. It's right. money. And if that gonna... money's coming in right now, it's going to be spent out right now, and right. then they're going to make a notional check in the, in, the, in the trust fund ledger that says it's owed to Medicare, and it's going to have to be paid back. But nothing has really changed in a fundamental, real sense that we all live in the real world. Yeah, I mean, this is um, what they'll do is more deficit spending. That's what they're going to do. Now, Joe Manchin says <clears throat> it has to be paid for. And he always insisted about pay fors. But, 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 but then he said, well, we have to pay, we have to pay for at half of it. All of a sudden, it went to half. And I go back to these uh, uh, investment tax credits for renewables. I mean, first of all, the original bill back in uh, March of 2021 had a lot of money, you know, for climate change, renewables, all this Green New Deal stuff. Then remember the infrastructure bill, more than half of that bill was aimed again at the Green New Deal renewables. And this thing, they're going to do it again as much as they can get, and it won't be paid for. I mean, I don't want any of it, don't get me wrong. But but if it comes in, it won't be paid for. That's why I'm so puzzled by Manson playing along. Now, you said an important thing. Joe meets with him in the caucus and stuff. He does weigh in on some things, but the context may not be what the left wants it to be. Uh, maybe that's going on now, but I don't know. I see, you know, more deficit spending. I don't see pay-fors. I don't either, um, and I don't think they're going to materialize. And in Washington, we haven't had real pay-fors in a long time. Um, they tend to be accounting gimmicks um, and, and uh, offsets that are already current law, and you're just extending those into into the future. So we'll see. I don't believe it. Um, you know, I, my hope is that, um, you know, he pulls up from the brink and realizes not just that this does nothing for his financial goals of the economy and keeping it, 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 it healthy or getting it healthier, 
but that he realizes that to the extent that they're doing these renewable subsidies and in any aspect of the climate change agenda, it is a direct threat to the center of gravity of oil and gas exploration, which is the lifeblood of our economy, and that that should go, uh, you know, he may have some small victory in what they are not able to put in this, and he can claim credit for that. But that's not going to help 10 years down the road when they have created all the subsidies that then dictate future mandates that they, we know they want to put in place. Is there a state in the union more dependent on coal and, by the way, natural gas than West Virginia? I mean, what's he thinking? Yeah. I know. I mean, that's that's the disconnect that you know that we all look at and say, on what planet would you consider to to go down this path? And you know, uh, I'm not, we got to hope that the devil's in the details and the details scare them off. So, Russ, um, you're working on a balanced budget plan. Can you give us a couple of thoughts on that? Sure. You know, this is a joint project that you and I are working on, and we're going to have a, a big coalition on it, and. You and I could probably do this in a long weekend, but the state of our economy uh, is such that, you know, the, and the Biden administration has continues to put us in a hole. So it's going to be hard. But, you know, we're, we're putting together as a plan to balance intent um, and to really focus and make this a, a, a budget that could actually get done, um, not because it's informed uh, with the way that the American people would balance their books, which would be to go and get rid of the discretionary budget first. Uh, that is, I call it woke and weaponized government. Um, mm. It's, you know, the American people know that when they, this isn't just the Department of Education that's educating their kids, it's educating with CRT infused cultural Marxism. Mm. This is an environmental uh, agency, EPA, that's not really just making sure we have clean rivers and, and clean lakes and clean air, but that is actually criminalizing landowners for building ponds on their, on their ranch in violation of the waters of the United States. So it's weaponized. And so mm. we want to go at that with a reckless abandon, and we want to have the types of uh, uh, policies that get people back in the workforce so that they had experienced the dignity of work and they're getting off the sidelines. And we believe that as we head in that direction, we will really be able to balance the budget and do it in a way that the political class, particularly if it's a Republican Repu uh, majorities and a, and a future Republican administration, can do it without having to go at, uh, with reckless abandon, some of the earned uh, entitlement commitments that have been made to beneficiaries. Now, we're going to have to touch mandatory spending, and you know we did that in the Trump administration. Uh, but my hope is that we will be able to uh, have a, a trajectory of balance like we did in the Trump administration, build off of those works uh, with, while also being cognizant of the fact that seniors have been told uh, that they needed to come with, when there were surpluses in these trust funds, that they were going to be the ones that both funded all of this government. And then when the, there was no more money left, they were also going to be the first in the chopping block. And and I think that is a, a something that the D.C. political class has not come to recognize that President Trump did. And we're going to try to be uh, honor the sentiment of that of that notion as we kind of construct this, given where we are in the economy. Russ, last one. It, will there be room to make the Trump tax cuts permanent so it's a growth budget? 
We have to. I mean, we have to. There's no – you can't balance the budget without, you know, uh, 3 4% growth. It's mm-hmm. just not possible. And so you've got to extend the tax cuts because they're the foundation of the economic growth that's necessary. And so growth won't get us all the way, but we can't get there without growth, nor would we want to because that's real people's lives and, and, and their ability to put uh, food on their family table. Terrific stuff. Terrific stuff. Russ Vogt, President, Center for Renewing America, former OMB director, great friend. Thank you, Russ. We'll talk soon. I appreciate it very much.